Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Martin Cohen, and today we're going to study a passage that comes from page 140 in Tractate Shabbat. One of the interesting questions that every Jewish community has to determine is the place that the rabbi is going to hold in that community. In some communities, it is considered desirable for the rabbi to be one of the people, to be a, a regular guy or a a normal-looking woman, somebody who is not set apart from the actual membership of the congregation, but who is a primus inter pares type, somebody who stands with them and leads them, but not from afar, but from within the crowd. In other congregations, it's thought that the rabbi should be a paragon of virtue, somebody who, by his very demeanor, not to mention his daily behavior, sets himself apart from hoi polloi and shows the finest of Torah values in the way he deals with his family members and with his neighbors, the degree to which he devotes himself to Torah study, the assiduousness with which he performs the commandments, the the care he takes in the preparation of the festivals and the Shabbat. Those communities want the rabbi to set an example that they can all follow, even though it means sometimes that the rabbi cannot be considered really one of the congregation, but is set apart from it. In the Gemara, the sages had the feeling that a true Torah scholar, somebody who exemplifies in every aspect of life the values of Scripture, should be set apart from the community not only by the degree to which he studies Torah, but specifically by the way he behaves, including in the most banal and ordinary circumstances. In other words, uh, anybody can, can display fine ethical behavior when a complicated ethical situation devolves uh, upon oneself so that a, a a moral decision must be made. But to set yourself apart from the community by the strength of your Torah values, even when you're do, uh, buying something in a shop or wandering in, in the marketplace or visiting someone in their home, that the rabbis felt is the hallmark of the true Torah scholar whose every action, no matter how ordinary, is suffused with the, the values of Scripture. Some of these teachings are almost amusing but others of them are profound and interesting in their own right. The passage I'm thinking of begins with a quote from Rav Katina, who says, He says, Someone who is a Torah scholar should never rest on the bed of a married couple, even under the most innocent of circumstances, because lying down where a married uh, couple rests uh, would awaken perhaps lascivious, inappropriate thoughts in even the most chaste of men. And therefore, it is not enough merely to live a chaste life, but someone who is suffused with the values of Torah would go out of his way always to avoid even the possibility of of awakening inappropriate thoughts, even if they are never possibly could be acted upon. Another statement, this one by Rav Chista, says, that means that at a meal where it's customary for 
somebody to say the motzi and then to divide the bread among the among the uh, diners. A Torah scholar who is not uh, wealthy, who doesn't have a lot of bread to eat, should avoid taking that upon himself because the the possibility will be that people will know that he is needy himself and will and he will consider that he has not divided the bread truly in a truly generous way among all the diners, holding on to a bit too much for himself. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. In fact, it almost matters more if it's not true, because a Torah scholar will never put himself in a position where people will question his generosity. That would bring ill repute upon the Torah itself, and therefore, even if he's scrupulous not to take more for himself than for the others, he should avoid even the appearance of impropriety. Another teaching. Also, this one by Rav Chista says, "Bar be Rav the late lay Mishcha, Nimshi b'Maya de Charitze." He says, a, "A Torah scholar who does not have oil, perhaps it would be better to translate this as soap to wash his soiled hands. In other words, you uh, can, you can wash your hands by pouring water over them in the ritual way, but when your hands are dirty, you need some sort of soap or some oil to to cleanse them." A scholar who doesn't have oil to cleanse his hands should wash with uh, with water that in which the pits of fruit or olives have been have been soaked, because that will provide a bit of traction and will provide a bit of cleanliness for him. And it would be better for him to appear to be washing his hands properly than than to step back and not do it all, even though the the effort is hardly worth it, because the the amount of of uh, of astringent in the water that he's going to use will be so minimal that that nothing really important is going to happen. He must avoid even the the look of impropriety, even when he has to go to the extreme of doing something that yields no tangible effect at all or hardly any. Another teaching of Rav Chista: Bar be Rav lo lish der mane le lechav rei lei. A Torah scholar should not. Uh, if he's staying over somewhere, should not give his his undergarments to the to the uh, uh, mistress of the house to do his laundry for him. And not because there's any reason why uh, someone shouldn't wear clean laundry, but because there is something unseemly about about uh, asking a strange woman to wash a man's undergarments for him. Uh, who knows what inappropriate thoughts the whole activity will bring up in her mind? And even though it has nothing to do with him, they're not they're not his wrong thoughts. Uh, still, uh, someone who is devoted to the Torah avoids even the possibility of inspiring others not only to act poorly, but even to think poorly. And therefore, it's a good idea for him to uh, wash his own underwear so that there, there won't be even the possibility of, of impropriety, even on the level of thought, much less on the level of actual deed. There are many other teachings here. Some of them are just good ideas for how to shop in the shuk successfully. Uh, some of them actually... Uh, touch on the relationship between husbands and wives. There's a section here which um, I won't translate, in which Rav Christo offers his or offers his daughters some advice about how to relate well to their husbands, uh, both in the bedroom and outside the bedroom. But the key to understanding the larger passage is that the rabbis understood that when someone takes the mantle of rabbi upon himself or herself, when somebody the rabbis would have said himself, but in our world where uh, himself or herself, the rabbis understood that that someone who takes that title obliges himself or herself to live an exemplary life, one that is not occasioned by sin, but one that even avoids sinful thinking, one that 
doesn't inspire other people to behave poorly, but even one that inspi that 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 scruples to avoid inspiring other people to think poorly or to have lascivious, inappropriate thoughts or to or to fantasize in a in an untoward, inappropriate way about oneself or even about others. In other words, the concept is that the title of rabbi should should bring with it a a mantle of responsibility that that many in the modern world would find would find cumbersome to bear. Nevertheless, the idea that a spiritual leader can be a very smart person who knows lots of details about the Torah, but not somebody whose life, even in its most banal, ordinary aspects, is exemplary in terms of its virtue, that idea would have seemed to the rabbis to be a, a bizarre perversion of what it means to be a spiritual leader. Thank you, and goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.